Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Welcome to Giant Size Heroes number 29. 29. That is right, 29. We are very afraid of turning 30, like every 29 year old is. And here we are, accepting our fate. That's right, <laughs> it's the year of mortality. It's the year the hangovers last a little longer. It's the year your bones hurt just a little more. Guys, 30 is cool. You gotta learn the beginning to of something and not the end of something. 30 I, was good. 30 was one of my better years. Uh, and 31's been great so far. But my bones Welcome hurt. to OK Boomer, the podcast. Welcome to, <laughs> I, I made a banana sandwich joke on Tuesday's show, and I say that expression all the time. Didn't realize it was an old man expression. And now, here we are. <laughs> Just because my bones hurt. I don't think mean. it's an old man expression. I don't think. I think it's a coy expression. I think. It, I think it's something I just errantly say. Uh, so welcome to Banana Sandwich Times. Uh, <laughs> it is now. Actually, uh, before we even get to the news, I'd like to apologize to the Giant Size Heroes audience. Oh my gosh! Because we rated, uh, ranked the superhero films, the comic book films of 2019, and you know what we didn't include. A two of Spider-Man. them. Two of them. Two of the kitchen and Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, one does whatever a spider can, and one does uh, a lot of crime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Spider-Man is in the middle. Well, okay, hold on. I'm going to stop and dwell it? on this because we forgot Spider-Man. That's, that's why I, like, I want to mention it. It's one of it, the like, funniest things to me that we have ever done. In over a year, well over a year of doing a show together. Who do I like most? What? I, of all people, you know who you really expect to, to forget <laughs> Spider-Man exists? You talk to Jake Gyllenhaal. I was in London with Jake Gyllenhaal and Spider-Man. I was in London with Tom Holland and Zendaya and Jake Gyllenhaal. That's why you didn't remember it, because it's not a movie. It was your life. It was an experience. I have no excuse. <laughs> it was a movie that I did go see and talk about, and it definitely happened this year. I learned to read because of Spider-Man. The I character went to the premiere for The Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, you we did. don't know where we were this year. That's then. That's the bigger thing. It's been so much content that we were able to forget all of it. Uh, and it was actually really hard to rank this year because usually ranking is like three or four movies, and you remember them all because oh my god, we got a comic book movie. This year is the year of 
What else? Oh, and that? Oh, my God, and the show? Oh, and like it's – If we had getting... tried to include TV, we would still be in this booth from last week. And it would be dark. It would be, <laughs> be bad times. We'd be crying. Uh, and this is 2019. Thank you to the people who let us know, by the way. It was very funny, though. 2021 is four Marvel movies and three shows. I what? How are we going to And do whatever else. And whatever streaming service. <laughs> and by then we'll have the Sandman show we've always thought we'd never get. Uh, by then we'll have, you know, Sin City, which we're going to talk about. By then another three networks will have picked up new characters. By then we might have the Clone Saga for all I know. Who knows? Spike Lee's making a comic Spike book movie. Lee, what everybody. is the future? So now we're going to get into the news because we've already apologized. And we're going to kick it off. Were you going to play Spider-Man in the order? Because I want to get out of having to rank things because I hate ranking things. But... I was trying to give you that out. Oh, that's very sweet. I was, I but I saw... could see you beginning it. And uh, I didn't mean – like that wasn't why I turned the subject away. I just thought it was funny I know and you wanted like to spend time. because you literally took the Joker out of contention last well, week. Well, I did. It was very funny. I'm it's... like, let's rank them. And you're like, one of them isn't this and two of them will be forgotten. So I'll rank these five. Well, that wasn't a plan. The forgetting part. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't trying to blank those movies from existence. I liked them. Uh, Spider-Man more. Um, what about Same. you? Uh, I liked them in Spider-Man more. Uh, <laughs> I would put uh, Endgame still at the top. Joker still at second. Uh, I'd say Spider-Man would be right there at three. Um, and then Captain Marvel. And then – oh, no, 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 no. I take that back. I take it back. I take it back. Avengers Endgame, Joker, Spider-Man Far From Home, Shazam in a very close – like Spider-Man and Shazam are probably very close tied third. Like I like Shazam a lot. I think my – Spidey probably comes under Captain Marvel over Shazam for me in my order. Like, under Captain Marvel over Shazam? But I mean Avengers Endgame and Captain Marvel are my top two. Okay. So that's still they're, – they're all upper half of the year right. rankings essentially. Uh, I think the only two that are going to clear my top ten movies of the year overall are going to be Endgame and Joker. I really liked Spider-Man and Shazam and, and Captain Marvel but like – it's been a really good year in cinema, and that's actually what's clouding all of this. Is Yay, like Motherless Brooklyn is so good, no one's seeing it. I will, Ooh, I haven't I will, seen that one oh, yet. It's so incredible. It's so powerful. It's a Tell movie. me about Motherless Brooklyn quickly. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn is a powerhouse performance by Ed Norton doing a great uh, – the thing you'll like about Motherless Brooklyn is the thing I loved about Motherless Brooklyn is I have a hard time – describing how my brain works and I have a hard time adjusting to other people's sensibilities. Okay. Uh, I love conversation and I love interacting and I love uh, identifying with people but I really struggle to convince people what my brain sounds like. Mm -hmm. Like I always describe my brain as like a bag of cats uh, <laughs> and like it's really hard to talk to someone about that. This movie, he has Tourette's and meets a bunch of other people and finds out that they don't judge him in the ways he assumes they do and one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is uh, Michael Williams, the guy from The Wire with the big cut down his mm -hmm. face. Incredible. Mm -hmm actor. He plays a jazz musician and they both have this shared moment of our heads are both overflowing, like a pot overflowing. I have music. You have this thing. We're the same. It's just how we get it out there. Oh. And then Ed Norton, who has Tourette's, says, like, yeah, but you have an instrument. You have a thing to get the sound out. And he's like, yeah, but I can't be playing music all day. And mm -hmm. it's this really powerful moment of we all have mental health stuff. We all are going through this. And it's all in a neo-noir, like, like mystery film. Really? So there's all these great, like, undercurrents and elements from, like, a neo-noir era while he's trying to solve a mystery. And it's a, based on a true story. And it's based on a book. So it's, it's like if someone took uh, a Poirot character and inserted them into a real situation. My eyes just got real big. Yeah. So it's a fictional character inserted into a real situation and it deals with mental health. Uh, that sounds fabulous. Real good and it bombed. It made like $8 million. It's, there's a lot of movies lately that people are just not just showing not up seeing. for people and it is frankly confusing. Well, people aren't going to the movies and that's why I think that all this Scorsese stuff is uh, is bull because uh, superhero <laughs> movies... just shout Scorsese because you're angry so about angry saying his name? Him? It's okay. It's okay. Movie talk today. People we can still have brought opinions. Up. 
But uh, I think movie theaters are staying open because of event movies, and I think if we get rid of event movies, it won't cause mid-budget movies to come back at the same force they once were. I think mid-budget movies can exist because the theaters are staying open because of big ones. So I want there to be an equal measure, but I do think both are important. Uh, I, I wish Motherless Brooklyn did better, and it didn't need to have an Avengers movie to keep the lights on, but I know that it'd be hard to keep theaters running if we didn't have the big event movies. Uh, and unrelated plea, but a little bit related, uh, did you see the articles about uh – uncertainty over the Fox back catalog and licensing it for smaller theaters. Mm -hmm. If people haven't heard about this, I am really hoping that the future involves all of the studios understanding that letting your older movies be seen and available to people is good for everybody. It's good for culture. It's good for the future. It's good for art. It's good for the small cinemas and art house theaters that are the path in for film lovers and story lovers of so many parts of the country, even in small towns. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, hopefully, just cry my fingers for good things for the future. Don't always have a lot of reason to think they're going to happen, but let's uh, try to summon them into existence. And the congressional stuff going on with like the movie theater versus studio laws, that's a messy scene of that. I, I saw, okay, they're relaxing certain things that have been in place since like the 40s, but that only apply to some of the theaters, and it's just like, cool, we're just finding more rules we didn't even know were in place to get rid of. Yeah, Great. Like, we're just like, I, I, I think anarchy is a fun concept, guys, but let's not see what execution is. <laughs> let's not, anyway. I, I need a dedicated, is there a Karina Longworth, you must remember this, on the Paramount consent decrees, because I want the scoop on this, and I don't know the deal, uh, and I like film history, so tweet me if there's a link that I should check out to give me the context here. Like but. a linear path. <laughs> like, And I also don't want to live in a world where it's like, you can't drive with an ape over 60 pounds with an ice cream sandwich in the front seat, and I hoax there are rules like that those are fascinating well those are funny but those are funny but it's interesting that we're living in a time where rules that are actually necessary are getting repealed and then the rules that like are what the hell aren't it's it's just (laughs) here on giant size heroes we are super on topic today. we are gonna dive into joker the dp from the joker is shooting black adam oh we should have brought this up on the show because this is very exciting because that movie is gorgeous yes like even people that didn't like the film it's gorgeous so I love the idea of the DP uh, who made a comic book movie look like a goddamn film look Black Adam like I can't wait to see what that look is going to be because it's such a different type of film it's a, it's spectacle uh, I'm this was exciting news I mean uh, the implied slam on other comic book movies aside because there have been some fabulous DPs many, working many, on many, them many 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 are great uh, I am very excited to have Lauren Scher working on Black Adam uh, at least, which is at least what Dwayne Johnson tweeted out uh, which I think is very cool news and I guess in the meantime he did Jungle Cruise so he followed Joker up with Jungle Cruise uh, I, which like, like come talk to us you sound great yeah uh, Larry, if you're around, let's hang out. I know you just talked to Collider, but we weren't there for that, and we're selfish. Yeah, this was a Collider article, and I was jealous. <laughs> Larry, sure, you're welcome on the show anytime. Uh, also in Joker news, it officially crossed $1 billion. Last week we said it was about to. Now the receipts are in. $1 billion with a B. Uh, just our, our hats off to the Joker making more money legally than he ever stole. Good job, Joker. Wow. That was an anti-coy crime. Yeah, that's... I don't know what to make of that. Struck he is speechless by Coy's respect it's, for law and order. I just gave – By I, paying compliments to the Joker. There's got to be – See? There's so much I found going a way. on there. I found a way to make it my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to steal the box office to steal our hearts and sure. make money legally. Yes. Joker. <laughs> 
Uh, I also wanted to give some love to, uh, there's this footage floating around that's really cool. Uh, someone in the classic, now classic, it's already classic, the stairway scene in the Joker, one of the apartments, someone filmed that being filmed, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm anti-paparazzi, and I'm anti-leaks, but they respected the film and didn't release this until, like, weeks and weeks out, so I think it's really cool. Mm. Uh, someone was filming Joaquin doing the warm-up to the stairs, and seeing him, like, get into a zone, and, like, get all poised and ready is this really beautiful footage, and just, you... Joaquin is such a powerhouse of an actor. It's really cool to even see 10 seconds of right before they film footage. Mm. So it's from the window of the apartment next to the stairs, and the stairs are now becoming a tourist trap. And I'm sorry to the people of Brooklyn for giving more notice to those stairs. But check out this footage. It's really cool. Where are cool. the stairs? Uh, I think they're in Brooklyn. It might be in Queens. Queens, maybe? New York people. Tell us where the stairs yeah, are. Yeah, tweet us. Just We're, in case. Yeah. Um, but in New York, one of the yeah. boroughs. I'm sorry to those people that live near them because the traffic sounds awful, uh, as opposed to regular New York traffic, which is very light. Uh, we also found out that Todd Phillips is down to return to the Joker for a sequel, officially making a statement saying, basically, it had to be the right tone. It would not just be a crown clown prince of crime movie. He wants it to have similar merits to the first one, and that's why he did the first one, saying, quote, it couldn't just be this wild and crazy movie about the clown prince of crime. It would have to be have the same thematic resonance in a similar way that this does, because I think that's ultimately why the movie connected. It's what's going on underneath. So many movies are about the spark, and this is about the powder. If you could capture that again in a real way, that'd be interesting. I love the, the spark versus the powder metaphor. That was a really interesting statement. Uh, because it is, in a lot of ways, the movie is about a building tension that is about to be released, and the movie never really... He's all most the Joker and like there are moments where he's fully the Joker but then the way it ends is so that I at first didn't want a sequel but then when Joaquin was saying how they'd still be filming right now if they'd let him that plus Todd Phillips's uh, enthusiasm has me more interested in the sequel than I thought I would be and the billion dollar price tag means Warner Brothers would let them probably make something similar to the first one as opposed to trying to just make a big flashy sequel I would hope um, I thought it was interesting because this is not a movie I ever expected to like the first one of much less a sequel uh, if this is a movie about Zazie Beats becoming a superhero. I'm in. <laughs> it's just a very different everything. It's a light and fluffy Zazie Beats story. You know, could be fluffy, could be not. We'll see. Domino, Deadpool 3. That, that's your <laughs> Zazie Beats is a superhero story. It already exists. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, th- I'm, this is an interesting development. I am glad that he would premise uh, a future for it on artistic concerns because that's what you always want to be true. I like people caring about their work. Uh, Now, we're going to jump to this really cool thing that Amy showed me. Sarah Finn, the casting director for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who is a... Very, I've heard a very sweet woman. I don't know Sarah Finn, but I've heard she's fantastic. And no matter what, I know she's fantastic at her job because man, oh man, are the casting calls in Marvel some of the best in the game. Unbelievable. Now, I haven't read this yet, so you guys are going to hear in real time me uh, checking out. There's a Hollywood Reporter article, and apparently it is just about the casting of the Marvel Cinematic I'm going to direct your eyes. Uh, look at this first section titled Chadwick Boseman. He auditioned for Drax? <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, man, that'd be so different. What the hell? Uh, now I direct your attention. Actually, before we leave Chadwick Boseman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I ran into him this week. Or yes, Sunday. What? I ran into him Sunday. Uh, the man is more of a king in person than a camera can capture. He was with like four friends. Like he was with people and they were like clearly like comfortable with each other. And I was still like. Ah, King T'Challa with his squires. Like, my brain couldn't not see, and we made eye contact, and I was like, oh, God, it's the king. Like, I felt like bowing. Uh, and I, I, like, I have less problem with celebrity than, than many. Like, I'm not as starstruck by that as I 
as some are, but Chadwick Boseman was completely the opposite. I was like, he's Just not a, he's not a movie star. He's a king. Like I was so it was it was like a scene out of Coming to America. I was like, the king is in the country. Uh, it was a lot. Chadwick Boseman, very cool. Uh, also ran into Ryan Johnson again. Uh, it was a crazy day. I ran into Dave Chappelle, Ryan what Johnson. The heck? It was very insane. Uh, it was rad. Uh, I also uh, ran into Jay Barkel uh, at an art gallery on the same day. Koi. So it was it was Sunday. Was lit. Podcast uh, listeners, Koi does not live a regular life. <laughs> Uh, but Jay sends his love and uh, said he's loving Punisher right now in the comics. And Jay Aww. specifically wanted me to tell the Heroes uh, audience that right now Punisher is some of his favorite stuff. And also tease that he's doing some stuff that will be specific to this audience that he's excited about. Ooh. Not a movie base. But yeah, Corey, thank God, is not living a regular life because we would not get this information <laughs> if Corey was living a regular I life. Just, all of that happened in one day and I still have the image of Chadwick Boseman like, oh, sorry. <laughs> So uh, I'm trying to imagine uh, – my favorite thing about this article is that there are stories for Chadwick Boseman, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Denai Guerrero, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Holland, Scarlett Johansson, Lupita Nyong'o, Chris Pratt. There's little sections, a paragraph on each of those about these processes and just so cool. the skill and the long-term investment paying off over here. Skip down uh, to, to Lupita Nyong'o. Nebula? (laughs) Nebula. Wow, so she was in the running a long time. Yes. She auditioned a long time. So what this article includes is, in some cases, the fact that some of these actors auditioned for earlier parts, and then essentially they said they were very impressive. They weren't right for the part. But we were a straight offer means you don't have to come back in an audition. We already know you're good, and we already know you want. We want you. Please wow. come be in our movie. And like Lapita Nyong'o is like you don't, <laughs> Lapita. If you're available, just come in and read for. No, Lapita gets the part. <laughs> God damn, that's cool. So this is a really fascinating look at all of the work and all of the time that has gone into assembling the Marvel universe because they've cast these very wide nets. I love our Drax and Nebula very very much, but what I also love about this, specifically this article, revealing of the Guardians casting process is that they truly cast interesting wide nets for those parts. I would not bring Chadwick Boseman in to play Drax the Destroyer. Right? That's a bonkers choice to me. But maybe he would have been perfect and as it turns out he's a great wonderful screen presence and uh, you found a, a nice little place for him in your Marvel Universe there. You know, so good job. Amazing job. And Sarah they Finn. cast the, the net so wide for Cap that friggin' Chris Pratt went out for Cap and yeah. then got cast as Star-Lord mm-hmm. against James Gunn's wishes it seems which is amazing. There's and then once they got along, they got on like a house on fire. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, so this is just a really wonderful look. It's a, running. In, it's an article in The Hollywood Reporter from Iron Man to Endgame, How Marvel Cast Its Avengers. And they're just short looks at each of these, but I thought that this was a super, super fun. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, now, that is the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the end. Uh, the difference between death and dusting came up in a deleted scene, which I thought was really cool. Um, there's been a bunch of deleted scenes on Disney+. Plus. Now, every time I say Disney+. Now, some Plus, of these scenes are on the Blu-ray thing and some are on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so, I haven't watched the scenes yet because I, I thought that these ones were Blu-ray only, but you, maybe uh, they're not. You're right. Uh, okay. I should clarify. Disney+, Plus has some deleted scenes, which we'll be talking about intermittently, like the trench and certain action scenes. The Infinity Saga Blu-ray has additional deleted scenes that are from the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, including the Endgame stuff. Wow, wow, wow. So if you have that $500 mega Blu-ray... Which we don't. I... 
I wish. Uh, and if you do, one, thank you for supporting. Whoa, that's awesome. And two, if you have another one, I don't have $500 and I will accept it. Uh, but that is very exciting for you. Uh, basically, they talked about how dusting and death are different things. Uh, in the scene, she explains that the snap doesn't actually kill the people that are white. Oh, sorry. The ancient one. There's this, I should explain what the scene is. There's a scene between the ancient one and the Hulk where she's talking about timelines. And in that scene, the ancient one, Tilda Swinton, explains that the snap doesn't actually kill the people who are wiped out. There's a difference between actively killing someone and the act of willing them out of existence. One outcome can be reversed while the other is permanent. This is why when the Hulk tried to bring Black Widow back to life, he wasn't able to revive the Avenger. I find it interesting but not any more satisfying than we got in the movie which is because it essentially says like it didn't work for reasons. I tried. Not, she didn't die a regular death anyway. She is sacrificed to, to the soul world for the stone which we already know is wonky. Uh, so in that sense, I'm fine with this being a deleted scene yeah. because it doesn't really like – It doesn't add – Yeah. It's it's just as mysterious as it was before, although it's an interesting distinction to talk about the idea of them like of death and non-death when we talk about the five-year gap and everything yes. everyone's gone through and all that stuff. Uh and they're – sorry. Comicbook.com is the article that wrote this up very concisely and I just clicked on it and it popped up a giant picture of Brandon. Hello, Brandon, if you're listening to this. Uh, Brandon Davis over at Comicbook.com is oh, a buddy. Lovely. And his face just came up on my screen when I was looking at something. I was like, ah, I'm trying to look at Hulk until this went. Um, we also got a deleted scene. Now, this leaked over two years ago, which is fascinating. Yeah, I missed uh, this. I didn't leak. see this leak because I tend to try to avoid them because I wanted to see Endgame like yeah, proper. Uh, but – over two years ago, a leak surfaced online showing Doctor Strange and Spider-Man teaming up on what appeared to be a foreign planet. With Infinity War being the most hyped movie in recent history at the time, many figured it was a fake leak. Uh, after all, Marvel Studios would never allow something like that. Oh, wait. Accidentally, they did. On the set's bonus disc of deleted scenes, which is definitely the Infinity Saga thing, one of the scenes for Infinity War was the scene linked on the camera, bombers, com- camera monitors back in July 2017. The scene's pretty crazy. It features Thanos waking up after Mantis's uh, like brain wipe using the infinity gauntlet he's able to rip the souls from the bodies of the guardians Yikes. forcing strange to order spider-man to help out spider-man then collects the physical bodies of the guardians on titan and takes them to mantis who's able to connect the souls of their respective bodies and the leak that came out was a quote saying peter protect them they're not dead <laughs> that's intense yeah uh Wow, that's a cool scene. Very cool. I need $500. Uh, yeah, don't send us $500, but uh, Do send us it would the Blu-ray be cool set. to have. <laughs> I'll accept bribes in the form of Blu-ray sets anytime. <laughs> I'm no politician, and I have less pride. Uh, I, I, That's really cool that those things exist. I really wish I had them. <laughs> I can't imagine what the audience just thinks of, of between coy crimes, coy billion-dollar support, and I'll accept bribes. Who knows? Who knows, audience? Find out. Uh, So I love that the deleted scenes are finally seeing the light of day. We'd heard from Kevin Feige that there were going to be scenes that like they were that we they never expected to share, and there's an entire disc of them. So that's just a few of them. There's an entire disc. There's hour like that's a lot of deleted scenes. All right, dang it, we'll figure this out. We'll find a way. (laughs) Crowdsource five hundred (laughs) dollars. If everyone teams up, we can all own the Blu-ray and share it. We can all share it like a library. If fifty of us throw in ten dollars, pitching this the postage for mailing that thing around would be intense. <laughs> Somebody would break it. Amy instantly went to the, the, the mechanics of it. This is, I love doing a show with Amy because I throw out just insane Coy, ideas. I've been and before, on the internet a long time. When you casually say things, people get excited. Uh, I've done, done it, it when other like, people postage. casually say things. I didn't finish the errant thought. She was like, but the postage. First I of mean, all, 
damages. There's postage. a number of problems. All I'm saying is the 50th threw in $10. Uh, now, also in the world of comic book television, uh, no, also in the world of comic book film, our final thing is an Amy note that I did not see until this morning. Tell my Prince of Cats. Yo, Spike Lee is making a comic book movie. You, if you are dedicated Heroes fans, you are ahead of the game on this because we had a nice collective freakout when they optioned this graphic novel, Prince of Cats, which at the time they picked up the rights at Legendary. And and at that point in its development, it was very far from the, like, we talk about the shades of green light. It was at that, like, first shade. And uh, Lakeith Stanfield at the time was attached. And we were already excited about that. Like, that was was our big headline giant. I think I don't remember it was big because I'm an 80s hip hop head and it's like if an 80s hip hop and Romeo and Juliet yeah so essentially it's this wonderful wonderful graphic novel by Ron Wimberly who is just a really fascinating writer and artist uh, who had done this story Prince of Cats is the alternate name for Tybalt Tybalt Prince of Cats from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet it is told in a heightened 80s hip hop New York with dueling and Shakespeare and all kinds of madness all mushed together in the exact way that an independent cartooning voice can incorporate and reform its influences, uh, his influences, into a really satisfying work. Uh, As a side note, it's also beautiful. I once spent like a couple of hours trying to copy a panel of a grieving mother from Prince of Cats. I am not an artist, but it was so pretty and so compelling. Uh, it's it's just a really, really neat graphic novel. It initially came out from Vertigo. It went out of print. It came out from Image. I think you can still get it in that form now. So it already exists as a wonderful graphic novel, which is, of course, the point of comics. But am I ever going to be mad that you take that cool graphic novel by Ron Wimberly and you're maybe going to make a movie? And Spike friggin' Lee? Spike Lee. Is going to come on and direct it with Selwyn Sefu Hines, I think, is attached to help write. Ron Wimberly, I think, is creatively attached on this. I assume Spike Lee will be reshaping it to uh, suit his creative needs here. But it sounds like a a wonderful, perfect meeting of the minds thing. Y'all! This movie, what? Yeah. I I was already excited. Uh, Laketh Stanfield is one of the best actors we have working today. And Spike Lee is Spike Lee? I, I even if it wasn't based on Prince, like every single piece has already got me. So now it's got me like eight times over. Uh, yes, I'm actually. I think this will be like. I'll probably try to reread this soon because I want to like just geek out over it again because I haven't read it since we first talked about it. Like was that two years ago? I don't remember. When do you remember when you were drawing? I remember this. I was. Mm. I was an at the store thing. It was before we were doing the show constantly together. Well. <sighs> That would have been years ago. Okay. I don't – Might have been years and years ago then. I mean the book's been out a while. Uh, the option news was much later. I do not There's remember. no seasons in Los Angeles. <laughs> so I literally don't know if something was five years ago or seven years ago or yesterday. Uh, it's my 10-year anniversary in L.A. today. Oh, and my gosh. Really? 10 years today. Congrats. Yeah, it's my, I've been a decade la So That's that means amazing. I've lived here longer than anywhere else, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm also now – from here, yeah, quote unquote, it happened. Uh, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're Angelinos now. I guess we are. We, we're lost angels. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, ten years was today. It was really funny to wake up. Uh, I, I have like a side by side photo. Everybody's doing that 2009, 2019 thing. So I was looking through stuff and I did my Facebook memories and I was like moving to LA and I was like oh, tomorrow. So yeah, 
Ten years today. So this is, I mean, for me, because, like, I'm I'm always down for reinterpretations of Shakespeare. They are super fun. Uh, they are almost always really cool. Uh, and one of the ones that was obviously formative for, like, my specific generation was Romeo plus Juliet, uh, which was very much a, a, a notable attempt to do modern things. I have no idea if that was an influence on Ron Wimberly. This movie can exist totally without that influence. But if that movie was in any way your jam, mm-hmm. uh, I have a feeling you are going to be in line with me for this one. I'm all in. I'm very excited. I was so happy to see that at the top of our, our giant size today. Spike Lee! Now we got to go to TV because this was probably one of the bigger surprise TV announcements oh, because yeah. I am a fan of this property. We got a Sin City show coming from Frank Miller and maybe Robert Rodriguez coming back. I love the first Sin City film. I liked the second one. Uh I think this could really suit TV because the Frank Miller world of Sin City is so serialized yeah. and so interconnected and so rich. And there's – like I'd rather see 100 Bullets on TV than movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather see this long form. So Sin City is as if not more marketable and it's as convoluted and intertwined. This could be the best – comic show of this noir genre and the special effects now 15 years ago when they made the first wow was it 15 years ago when they made the first Sin City movie that was all the crazy breaking edge stuff they can probably do much of that on TV now like we have the technology we can rebuild him uh I'm so excited about this. This is very exciting news. I don't know what it'll mean exactly. I don't know what that show's going to look like. I don't know who's going to be involved. Uh, I don't know how close to really happening it is, but it's clearly the steps are real. Like, a deal has been struck for more original Sin City content. Uh, Sin City's just one of the the titans of independent comics as well. Uh, If you have not revisited those original Frank Miller stories... There is a definite style to them. Uh, there's a world building to it. There's like it, it's we salute his. Uh, it's like a triumphant independent project for a classic comic book artist, and uh, he's had a mixed history in adaptation and a mixed history of his own work in film. Uh, but I'm very, very, very interested to see what comes of this. I I think we're gonna be. I've heard both animated and live action, and I think either way it's going to be really interesting. Either way, I've heard it's hard R, uh, and I think it's going to be really cool. It was 2005, so it was 14 years ago. Wow. Wow. Uh, either way, it'll get people reading that kind of comic, which I think only helps be a gateway into other stuff. So I think it's really exciting, whether it's live action, animation, whatever it is. I hope it happens. Very exciting. And also, uh, it's like you don't want to see other people take other things and try to turn them into Sin City, but make Sin City Sin City. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Totally agree. Exciting. Uh, Jeff Goldblum may have leaked <laughs> Only because this is Jeff Goldblum and everyone knows the news, I feel like we're not spoiling anything. If you don't want to know anything about What If, press pause. This is the Disney Plus series What If that's going to be an animated series that we are starting to get pieces of information about with last week's Expanding the Universe. And we may have some new information. Thanks, Jeff Goldblum. It would seem that Robert Downey Jr. is coming back as Iron Man. (laughs) Now, this makes a lot of sense. And this is the way I'd like him to come back as Iron Man. We've previously discussed whether or not a new glimpse at Iron Man would be welcome or fit in well with his established screen exit. Uh, And I would tend to agree that I would also welcome this. I think it it suits the comic book style of of someone coming back. Uh, It suits all of those things. But it it definitely – 
I, I love him as Iron Man, and I definitely want more. I just didn't want his death to be for nothing. It hit me. It affected me. Uh, so I, I'm really excited. Uh, I think the What If series is going to be a lot like a comic, and there's going to be so much you can play with it. The animation looks gorgeous. We got those few frames in that in that documentary, the, like the zombie stuff and the yeah. uh, all the stuff we'd already seen from Captain, Br- Captain Britain with Peggy. But we was, hadn't seen the Steve half before. We hadn't. That's true. I hadn't anyway. Uh, I've just – I couldn't mm. – now this next one, uh, I want Amy's take on because I – don't know how I feel about it, and I want to know what you feel about it. Uh, okay. Why The Last Man? Uh, so the adaptation of the famous uh, and much-loved, especially by me, Brian Von <laughs> Piergera series, Why The Last Man, uh, which is being adapted for TV as, I think, just playing the letter Y, uh, and has had an interesting history behind the scenes because it took forever to finally get going. They made a pilot, and then they switched showrunners, but seemed to be full steam ahead anyway, which is pretty unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to be full steaming ahead, and they are looking to cast a transgender actor. Uh, for their story, one of the major challenges in adapting Why the Last Man is that it is it is like I fiercely love that work. It was written between 2002 and 2007, and it includes what at the time like sort of cutting-edge progressive looks at things, but it also includes some stuff that even at the time and especially in the years since has attracted criticism for essentially – an oversimplified view of gender because as we know in the real world gender is very complicated uh it does not usually line up into two neat categories biologically it doesn't socially it doesn't psychologically it doesn't these are things that the the knowledge of uh is expanding outwards as we also push for things like transgender rights uh now this is not something that magically got invented post-2002. But the environment for making that show today is different than the one we had then and will call for different things. Now, there is some attempt in the original text to deal with this, but there is not. It sounds like they are making a uh, distinct change in how they're planning to approach the show to make sure that they address those issues up front. Because, of course... If the premise of your series is all the men die, you need to answer the question of who the men are. And the book mostly doesn't want to fight about those specifics because the point is that all of the cisgender men have died and they're kind of less interested in dealing with the the fringe cases, which as we now know are at the heart of gender. Sorry, guys. It turns out this is going to be a whole thing about gender. I wanted Amy to take this because she is much more informed on the subject. It's just that this is all this is all just background. This is the world we live in. It already was that complicated when they made this comic, but it's much more widely known now. Um, people are much more aware of the already existing truths about the way human beings work, which is... And no one will be surprised to hear humans are always more complicated than you think they are. Nothing. Spoiler it, you alert. Know, we're like, all a mess. <laughs> well, yeah. Things are complicated. Uh, and anyway, my hope is that they can find satisfying ways to fulfill both the premise and promise of the story and to address these complicated realities. Uh, and it sounds like they are attempting to do so by looking for a transgender actor. But you have to just be careful with this stuff because – uh, a choice that you make can accidentally reinforce a bunch of crappy ideas if you're not careful with the way you execute it. But honestly, if you weren't planning to think really hard about gender, I don't know why you would be adapting Why the Last Man. So I tend to trust that they are trying to do this right. Uh, and I am excited to see the show that they make. I cannot wait for the show. I have some of the concerns I think you spoke to, but I, I'm worried that it is a – no-win scenario is not a fun thing to say, but I, I worry that no matter what, someone will be uh, – whether or not that person's chromosome affects how they're viewed in the series is going to be so delicate to how the rules work in the show. So it's a really tricky line to walk with this particular show. So I'm really curious um, how they handle 
I hope they give the character like a whole episode. Like I'm hoping they can dive into it enough where it explains it why. It sounds and like how. they're planning a major role for the character, and it is interesting because it, it highlights the essentially this choice to deal with it, I think, is a good choice because you were going to have to deal with it anyway because even chromosomes aren't simple. That's right. part of the background to all of this. No part of it is that simple. But the sci-fi premise of, like, looking at the power structure when we take out a huge chunk of the population uh, that mostly aligns along a certain side of the traditional dynamic, it's still an interesting question. It's still an interesting premise, and I'm very interested to see where they go with it. Yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah. This is one of my most anticipated shows, uh, and I've had rereading Why the Last Man on my to-do list for quite some time. I am excited uh, for that. Yeah, and that, that'll be the saga for, you know, that chunk of time, because yeah. Brian on. Uh I have to sneeze. Will I? Yep. Okay. So Called it. If you haven't read that series, I am maybe not making the most compelling pitch for it right now. It is a fabulous book. Oh. It is a cool post-apocalyptic sci-fi road trip adventure, sad, beautiful, heartbreaking, moving story. It is a story so good and so compelling that they scooped Brian K. Vaughn up for Lost because they were like, you're really good at characters and flashbacks, and you break our hearts on every page. What's that about? So if you've read Saga, you already know that about him. Uh, Pierre Guerra is an amazing artist. There's some wonderful fill-in artists who do smaller runs on that book, but it's mostly Pia and Brian top to bottom, uh, and you will fall madly in love with those characters and tweet me your thoughts, please. It was the first time on an episode of Comic Book Shopping where the uh, guest clearly knew way more about Saga than me, and it was very funny because I usually just plug Saga the whole time, and I was like, oh, no, you know you know Brian K. Vaughn well. Oh, you're, you're talking to David. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. The most recent episode of Comic Book Shopping was like David Lindelof. Obviously, knows Brian K. Vaughn pretty well. Probably knows what's happening in Saga. Issue 55, 56. <gasps> like, it was just really tricky to be like, you know Saga more than me. This is a bummer. Uh, also, while airing, and I cannot give any hints, this literally, I got a text while we are filming. Uh, we might have just booked our next comic book shopping guest, and I'm very, Ooh. very excited about it. And I can't even begin to tease, but know that another one's coming. That I could make great. wild guesses. I don't know. It's going to be real good. <laughs> it's going to be real good. Speaking of things that are going to be real good. The... Infinite Crisis on Infinite Crisis Earths is... Christ Infinite Earth. Christ Infinite Earth. When you put the wrong verb at the top, it gets confusing. Crisis on Infinite Earths has some freaking official photos. We don't do paparazzi photos here. We wait until the official stuff. And I'm so glad we do because check out Collider.com for same gorgeous images of just seeing these characters standing around. Uh, yeah. Usually this isn't something we put in the rundown, but like just the, it, it feels like the Avengers. Go look at Like 2012 yeah, the Avengers. It's, I mean, it's the Justice League. It's, it's a picture of the Justice League. There they are all real in 3D and with like texture. They're people. And Superman and Lois and a certain other person uh, that you should go look at those pictures I, of. And I that love, woman looking good. Also, Supergirl's pants. Yeah. I like I like, pants. I like I like them a lot. They're good. I just it's such a good choice. I don't know. Like I was I every time I see her in the new outfit, I'm like, well, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I like her pants. Um, uh, if you're avoiding all information, don't go look at them. But you, these are not really spoilers. They're just fabulous, fabulous looks at people sitting around hanging out. I detected a harbinger in there. She looks good. The costume is great. Uh, I'm excited. Ollie Queen looks fantastic. Ollie uh, Queen Ollie, always looks like, But look at that like the goatee implication. <laughs> yeah. Like they went for the goatee. They're like leaning in pretty hard. <sighs> I'm excited. If he dies in someone's arms with a goatee, I'll be very happy. Because that's happening. He's dying in someone's arms. Uh, that's a coy guess, but probably true. I mean, it's right there, guys. I mean, he made the deal. We all know. Well, who knows? Who knows? I say if that's the big twist, They got knows? two episodes of Arrow after the crossover. What are they going to do? Funerals. That's just seven hours of funerals. <laughs> uh, uh, also, today, we didn't have time to throw it in here, but we uh, talked about it on our, our Tuesday show, um, the announcement of who Bruce Wayne is playing. Which Bruce Wayne? Did you hear about this? I'm 
saw this. It broke just before. Uh, go look at all of the new images because uh, you said Hooper Swain is playing. I think we mean who Kevin Conroy is playing, but no, I didn't no, even know. I notice. stand by that. I no. stand by Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I rolled right past it because I was like, yes, clearly that man is Bruce Wayne. Uh, and we'll be playing a certain version of Bruce Wayne in the crossover. And then you should go look at it. Sometimes they give Bruce Wayne a microphone, sometimes they give him a camera. Either way, Kevin Conroy is the persona that he hides under the mask of. <sighs> He is Bruce Wayne. Uh, I'm very excited to see the the Alex Ross take. Uh, also, there's a ton of Alex Ross Easter eggs. Apparently, uh, like in the in the newspaper, one of those shots it says "photo by Alex Ross." Aww. So they gave the painter that inspired so much of this love as. Chef's kiss, Chef's everybody. Kiss. Chef's kiss. We are uh, almost to crisis. It is starting in the beginning of December, and we're getting there, y'all. Countdown. It's and, on. And, and I know some stuff. I'm very excited about Ooh. Uh, I'll talk to him about it off air, and I'll tease <laughs> the giant size audience. I know things, and it's going to be great. Uh, Loki has cast a newcomer in an unknown role that many are theorizing might be female Loki, because at times Loki has donned a female persona in the comics. Remember when I said gender is complicated? I mean, especially Loki. <laughs> I mean, gender is also mischievous. Uh, so I am very excited to check out the show. Uh, she is playing a very important character. Um, the quote that they, they talk about is how everybody feels like they know Loki, they know his ways, and the show's going to subvert that. So I think having a female Loki is a great way to do it. Uh, that's the theory. We don't know. Uh, she is Sophia Martino. I don't know her work, uh, but a lot of people were excited she was cast. Um, she was just in something pretty major. Uh, it's in the article, and I'm stalling for time because I think I'm going to find it. Uh, she uh, was just in Yesterday, the, yeah. the Beatles movie. Oh, I, I missed the Beatles movie. Uh, you know, I don't get the Beatles. What? I Okay. So my parents were are only 16 years older than me. Okay. So they were 80s kids. So I grew up listening to like Huey Lewis in the News and Kenny Loggins and like 80s hip hop and like all that stuff. Oh, yeah. My parents are literally boomers. I don't know many boomers. My grandparents are only 17 and 18 years older than my parents. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents listened to like 50s music. Mm-hmm. So all of like the 70s stuff I just missed because it was in between generations. Mm-hmm. So like when I hear the Beatles, I'm just like, well, sure. Like I don't have the sixties, yes. Yeah, so it's like a thing I don't. Yeah, I don't even know what decade they're from. <laughs> so it's really interesting because I feel like when people don't understand comic book culture and they're just like a little removed. Yeah. I feel like that about a lot of like music. That's fascinating. Because I my first concert was Slipknot because my dad liked them. Aww. Uh, so me and my dad went to Slipknot because he was like a twenty four year old and I was a fan too. Like so it's really interesting that the Beatles like I didn't see yesterday because I was like ah oh, those guys. They, well, they sure did make music. The truth is that they were they were a worldwide phenomenon, but even at the time, like not for every person in every group, not for every demographic, not for every circumstance. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's nothing wrong with not knowing or liking them. It's just funny for me because I was absolutely raised on sixties oldies radio, and like the amount of psychedelic stuff I enjoy. Like it's really interesting. Like the Beatles should be my jam because they like sound like drugs. But like I just, <laughs> I, it's very interesting that when I think of the Beatles, I'm just like it feels like I'm thinking of a thing I'm actually. It was like everyone else took a class that I missed. Like well, I just skipped D period. Look, for I'm going to go out years. here with a, a real risky, controversial take. They are good. I think you will enjoy them. All right. All right. Yeah. Hot take. The Beatles, Beatles popular, good, good entertainment. Mm-hmm. Good at music. All right, guys. I'm going to check out these Beatles all the kids are talking about. <laughs> Boomer Day Teach me on about Collider Heroes. I will uh, <laughs> just, Yo. you know. 
Tell you, you about the Beatles, I you're, guess. You like to be Diggs because of like Hamilton and him yeah. needing to be Diggs. And I, clipping. And, and clipping. Uh, I've got an album to, to show you. Like, Ooh. you have to check out. It's called Seven Nights in Chicago. It's one of my favorite albums this year. Him and Raphael Cassell took seven artists and filmed an entire uh, filmed, recorded an entire album in Chicago in seven nights, and it's every genre of music with hip hop intertwined in it. Oh, there's like classic jazz, there's uh, orchestral stuff, there's operatic stuff. It's it's powerful. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you have, do you have Spotify? I do. But the whole album's on Spotify. Oh, right. After this. And everyone listening, check out Seven Nights in Chicago, a shameless plug for David and Rafa. Yay! Uh, speaking of shameless plugs, The Boys Season 2 has wrapped. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited for The Boys Season 2. Amazon has been killing it. Uh, down the line, you'll wonder why I consider that a shameless plug. Anyway. Corey loves the boys, uh, and uh, we were lucky enough to have Derek Robertson come talk to us in advance of the first season, and he is lovely, and it was yeah. so much fun to have that conversation, uh, and uh, exciting that that's on the way, because I know it was a big surprise hit, uh, and I was happy to see it find an audience. And this gives us an excuse to get Derek back in here soon. So we'll have, we'll have Derek talking about season two. I'm very excited. It is wrapped. And finally, we talked about it on Tuesday's show, but I want to say... That Runaway Season 3 trailer, real good stuff. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm real bummed, but I'm very excited. I don't know. I just had to mention it again. I, I'm very – I'm interested. I want to know more about what they're doing with Morgan Le Fay. It's a big swing, and I love it. Uh, I mostly like her outfit. She's Elizabeth Hurley, so she cannot do anything wrong. Um, but I hope she has a couple of different looks. Uh, but that's just the most surface response. I'm just thrilled that we have more of it. It is a it's a funny show because it has the tension of the fact that like the v- parents were probably not supposed to be as important a part of it, but they're all so like- wonderful that we can't give up any of them. So we're all just holding our arms around all 700 characters being like, nope, yeah, nope, we keep they, them. We they keep ran away in season one. I was like, now it's a runaway show, but do we leave? Because I kind of like, and then yeah. like season two was like, all of them are still there. The season show three. is really runaways in the pride. Uh, right, oh, but, uh, 100%. It, yeah, we're not mad about it. We're excited. It's the one time when running away from the source material is a good thing. <laughs> uh, and I love the source material. Don't get me wrong. Also, Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, now turns we, out he's good. Turns out the man writes some comics. Oh, and uh, notable for our wide discussion earlier, he has tweeted about loving the writer's room and sort of being in the weeds on why. So what I would hope is that he is uh, – Probably to some extent or a large extent directly involved in these refigurings and these uh, reinterpretings and how they're going to present this story for Mm. our times. Um, And so I think that's a cool, exciting challenge. I'm into that. Uh, Now, Slugfest. I want to talk about Slugfest. Okay. Did you hear about this? I did. The Russo Brothers are doing a docuseries. You might have heard of these Russo Brothers. They know some comics. About on Quibble. Quibbly? Quibble. I don't know how to say it. Quibby. I think it's it's quick bites, but it's abbreviated. So is it Kibi? Is it Quibi? Is it Quibi? I, I don't Quibi. know. I think I think I think Quibi is the next Twitch where it's a thing that I feel too old to start, but I need to. Uh, <laughs> Quibi is a uh, shorts uh, network, and it is Jeffrey sh- Katzenberg is behind it. It's launching this spring. I didn't know that. Yeah, you've oh. heard this. You probably just forgot because it wasn't attached to comic books at the time. But you know this. Uh, it is a short form uh, network that they are trying to launch for this spring, but that they've made a bunch of interesting. Like we're partnering with so and so. We're partnering with so and so, but we don't have anything to see yet. I knew the network. I didn't know the Katzenberg part. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I like... might be crazy there, but I think that's true. Only two ways to find out. <laughs> uh, so the Russo brothers made great Marvel movies, and now they're doing a documentary about the. Bat- Battle between DC and Marvel. And it's based on a book. So the, 
there's research involved here that has already been done. The book is called Slugfest Inside the Epic 50-Year Battle Between Marvel and DC. Now, I'm excited because I always think this rivalry is silly. I love when things work out and they're in, in, a, in a more contained area. I love the Amalgam universe. Yeah. I love the fact that, like, Jeff Johns and Kevin Feige are homies. I love the fact that most of these artists work for both companies and most of the writers. Like, it's it's yeah. it's not a rivalry. It's a, it's a small family, but with a fun, fake rivalry in the middle of it. So I'm excited to see the documentary and how it handles that fun, fake rivalry. And I hope that it shows fans that decide to live in a rivalry that doesn't actually exist, that it doesn't actually exist. And uh, they're going to somehow adapt it into small, bite-sized chunks. Who knows? Strange times. Strange times, y'all. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of comic books. We got some great polls this week, and I really yeah. want to dive into some of them. Uh, Amy, what's your number one pick of the week? My number one is actually our, our our number two overall. It's the question, the deaths of Vic Sage, number one. Now, that is a plural deaths, deaths of Sometimes Vic how Sage. How many times can, some, can a person die? That is the question. This is a new Black Label book. It is by Jeff Lemire and Dennis Cowan, who is a legendary artist. Uh, and Bill Sienkiewicz is involved in some capacity. I don't know if he's inking or doing some interior pages, but both of their names are on this first issue. Uh, it is one of the titles I got most excited about when they started rolling out the new Black Label books. Because the question is a wonderful part of the DC Universe, uh, memorably brought to life in the Justice League animated series. Uh, for me personally, I really, really love the, Ron- the Renee Montoya version of the question who picks it up in the legacy character tradition of DC uh, and inhabits that identity for a good amount of time. Uh, and if you're really caught up on comics, you're seeing some of that going on. But a dedicated standalone series is also a great way to pay homage to the fact that the late 80s, early 90s question series is one of the sort of push things forward standard bearers for DC. I think that was Denny O'Neill. Um, and possibly Dennis Cowan, but I need to check my facts on that. Some A bunch of legends worked on the classic question stories with Vic Sage. Uh, the question, of course, is the Charlton character who they picked up in the big purchase extravaganza of the 80s, who then indirectly, well, directly inspired Rorschach from The Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are all reasons you should be interested in the question and excited for this book, which is by Jeff Lemire, Who Rules? My number one pick of the week is a book I've waited many, many weeks for and actually got delayed, so I waited more weeks for... Kelly Thompson, who I love dearly. You know her from A-Force and Captain Marvel and a great run on Hawkeye. I love her Hawkeye. Uh, she did an incredible run on both uh, West Coast Avengers and she just took over – oh, and Mr. And Mrs. X, which I thought was slept on. Mr. And Mrs. X was, was really slept solid. On. Yeah. Slept on. Like solid book. Uh, she just started a run on Captain Marvel. Her new number one is well, out. It, it, she's coming closing in on a year today actually I think. Number is today 12 the year? Is out. Oh, wow. Well, it's not a full calendar year, but no, it's but it's a, it's a, tw- it's a, it's a yeah. comic year. Yeah. I didn't realize she was that deep into it. Yeah. Wow, I think I'm on like issue nine. I'm sorry, Kelly. I'm late. I'll work <laughs> on that. I'm three years behind. She's on Deadpool, and that means that the land shark is in Deadpool. <laughs> and I love West Coast Avengers, and that book was so silly and ridiculous, and I love those land sharks. And if Deadpool gets a land shark, I am all about it. And when that <laughs> land shark is drawn by Chris Pacello. Y'all, can we talk about Chris Pacello? I don't know how to say your name, and that makes me really sad. Because you're one of my favorites. Been, I, yes, mm. a favorite of mine since the 90s. Ash can, you yo. Are, yes, Generation X, a One life of the changer. first things Amy and I bonded over mm-hmm. in our friendship, before yep. we ever sat down in mics across from one another, is we yelled about Generation X. Because yeah. I am a ride-or-die Chamber fan. Oh, and Chamber, ride-or-die Husk. Yeah. So Generation X was that, and it was the exact right time for us yeah. in comics. It is it is damn perfect, and that was Chris Pacello. Uh, he shaped so much of what that comic was. Uh, the writers were also great on it, but that comic is so visually, like, yeah. lush. Yeah. Uh, and everyone in it is defined by that. Like, I still see Husk and 
him uh, and, and Chamber as Chris Pacello art. Yeah. I can't not. Monet, uh, his version of Jubilee, Skin. his version of White Queen, a crucial often slept on chapter in her transformation, mm-hmm. but the Banshee-White Queen relationship in that, it's it's upsetting oh, that we Banshee. didn't get like a proper TV adaptation of that. I still haven't seen the TV movie they made. Uh, but sure, sure is a thing that's on. Yeah. But, oh, I would be so down for that. Now, of course, uh, as I will often say, don't immediately adapt that one. Lay the groundwork with the X-Men first because you can't rebel against it. You can't have New Mutants without X-Men. You can't have Generation X without those anyway. Can't have X-Force without X-Men. Can't do it. Can't do it. What, can't why, have why are they? without X-Men. Oh, you can. Because he's not a mutant. Yeah, you can. He's different. He's very different. He, and that's why I think he's the first one. I think that's why he's Deadpool 3 coming this first. Is a, we're coming back to <laughs> my shell-shocked face on Tuesday when Koi pitched Deadpool 3 as the first of the Fox properties to make it across the finish line. Now, granted, as the one with a existing star and in canon reason to ignore continuity, it does make it the much easiest transfer. But, he also you know, literally allows. He could solve problems. He could be the guy that explains that the X-Men don't exist. He could break the fourth wall by explaining that the X-Men don't exist. In I don't want to live anymore. in a world where you have to watch a Deadpool movie to see X-Men movies. Oh, I want to live in a world where people have Deadpool movies to enjoy, mm-hmm. but... I don't think – I'm not saying it as an explainer. I'm saying like they could literally say the other stuff doesn't exist and people can do whatever they want with the new movies and not have to have seen it. He can be the end and not the beginning. OK. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he can close the what door. What if he just destroys the Fox universe accidentally and just like ends up in the Marvel universe being like, hope that doesn't happen again. Gwenpool stops in to be like, woof, must be weird. I'm not saying I wouldn't be surprised if we see the thing and Chris Evans as Human Torch oh my in the Deadpool 3 movie. Like I think – I don't think you're far off. I think there's going to be a thing that, that involves a universe smashing through Deadpool. That's wild, and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> Tinfoil hat theory. Deadpool, Deadpool kills the Fox universe. Uh, you know... I'm making faces in Amy. Uh, I don't think she's wrong. Now, this week we also have a beautiful Batman White Knight, which is a, a series I love. It is a one-off. It is Von Freeze. As you guys know, I am a Mr. Freeze. Uh, I, I want that movie real bad. So a one-shot of Mr. Freeze I really, really liked. And my last pick of the week is Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman's finale of Absolute Carnage, which has been a ride. I never wanted a Maximum Carnage spiritual sequel. And I also never wanted a Craven's Last Hunt spiritual sequel. This year I got both and loved them both. <laughs> uh the surprises in comics are one of the best parts. And the other book that I picked this week was Little Bird Fight for Elder's Hope. It's a hardcover. Uh, and this book I am picking honestly because I missed it in issues. It went to several printings. Uh, I saw the, the demand soaring at the shop and I just hadn't sat down with it. It's from Image Comics. It is one of the most beautiful, just physically beautiful comics to ship this year. And if you, like me, missed out, you can get the first five all at once in a beautiful, beautiful hardcover that is shipping right now. So that is our poll for the week. Uh, we did not get any Twitter questions this week, so feel free to send some in, and we will be scouting back uh, for next week's show. Uh, it, it was a surprisingly full week. There was a lot of stuff going on. And if you uh, if you wanted to hear about Snyder Cut stuff, we talked about that on Tuesday's show, along with talking about Runaways. Uh, I gave some theories for what I think those release dates were. If you guys saw, Disney carved out some release dates through 2023. It's which not is that far away. It's only four years. Four years. Okay. Four years is a long time to carve out a movie release date. Uh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> Four years isn't a long time, but, like, so much can happen. Yeah. Kids going into freshman year right now will be graduating when these movies are coming Whoa. Out. Whoa. Right? That's crazy. Imagine if we were in school and we were going into our freshman year and we knew what movies were coming out when we were seniors. Whoa. That'd be weird. You'd be like, your, your high school graduating class would be phase four. Right. That'd be weird. Uh, you're effectively uh-huh. in the X-Men or Harry Potter. You're like, I know I'm a year. Like, <laughs> you could go in to school and know, like, well, I guess I'll be 
a junior when Black Panther 2 comes out. Like, it's weird. We didn't have any of that. Yeah. That's weird as heck. Uh, tweet us if you're having this experience and do send us questions because hashtag Collider Heroes is where we will look for them and we'd love to hear from you. And who knows? You might give us our next great We Forgot Spider-Man Exists moment. And there are many. Uh, but until next week when we are more forgetful than ever, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa Automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last. Offer ends 83120. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, from negative to positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.